Hello and welcome to Time Out with Tammy and Tyler. I'm Tammy. And I'm Tyler. And we're here to explore how people evolve from early career higher education HR professionals to leaders like VPs and Chief Human Resource Officers. So what we really want is to learn more about how some of these really amazing people got to where they are and what their perspective is on some hot HR topics and issues. But before we get into that, just a quick note about who we are. I'm Tammy, and I'm currently the Assistant Director of Human Resources at Williams College in Northwest Massachusetts. And I am Tyler. I am from West Palm Beach, Florida, but I'm currently working as an HR business partner for the University of Florida in Gainesville. But more importantly, we are both part of the Coupa HR Wildfire Program, finishing out our program year. And we both fell in love with the program and are just so amazed at everything that we've experienced so far. Yeah, it's really been one of those life-changing experiences where we create bonds of trust and shared experiences together. Um, so thank you so much for taking this journey with us. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. And our very special guest today is Dave Blake, the Vice President of Administration for the California Western School of Law. Dave is also a past chair of the Coupa HR National Board. Thanks so much for being with us, Dave. You're welcome. Glad to be with Tammy and Tyler. So over the summer, Tyler and I had a chance to catch up with Dave at a Coupa HR leadership event. Let's take a listen. So if you could tell us something that you've learned at this ALP or a previous ALP that really stood out to you, um, that would be great. Yeah, great. I think uh, what continues to stand out to me is the need for us to be more actively engaged in the use of data and metrics and not only decision making, but in, in making our case for what it is we want to do. HR historically has, I think, sort of been nervous with data. And I think having the capability we have now and the robust nature of the data, and it's not just the salary data, you know, it's, it's demographic data, it's uh, uh, compensation disparity data, it's gender data, and how we can look, uh, you know, how we can be seen as a business advocate. just heard a clip from Coupa's Association Leadership Conference about the importance of data, and Tyler and I both kind of thought that seemed like a really good topic to take a deeper dive with on the podcast. Um, so without further delay, we're going to get into some of our questions. Great. Let's go for it. Thanks, Dave. Alrighty, so uh, kind of going back to what we talked about at ALT, can you start out by sharing some of the ways that you use data in your current role? Uh, particularly around HR and finance, which is kind of a, a niche question for me and people like me who are lumped in with HR and finance kind of combined or reporting one to the other like we do at our institution here at the University of Florida. Yeah, I think that a, a lot of times we don't recognize as HR people. In fact, I used to joke with people and say the reason I'm in HR is because I don't like finance. But there's a strong correlation, <laughs> between, uh, a strong correlation between your finance office and your HR office. And one of the things I've done historically is to partner with the CFO uh, specifically on our largest expense, uh, which is salary data and benefit data, which both are obviously readily available uh, through Coop HR and its salary survey. So uh, I've been in institutions, believe it or not, that do not have uh, salary structures and salary tends to be all over the map. 
making it very difficult for my CFO colleagues to be able to adequately uh, predict or plan for salary and salary increases, uh, as well as what are some of the national trends in terms of benefits and how we benchmark accordingly. So I have used uh, specifically the Coupa HR salary data extensively uh, to sit down with the CFO and talk about how we can create structures to better uh, produce and plan for our annual budgetary process. And so uh, while I agree there's lots of good data out there, I think when it comes to salary data, the Coupa data is probably the, well, definitely from my perspective, the gold standard. Uh, it's also a way for me to educate uh, my other colleagues uh, as part of the leadership team here as to the impact of not having good salary data and also how we can be competitive. For example, we're in a very high cost of living area. Unemployment is immensely or uh, extremely low right now, about 3% here in, in San Diego County. Um, so we're fighting for good talent and we wanna be able to budget accordingly to be able to uh, attract and retain that talent. So the salary data is extremely important, not just from the financial perspective, but also from the uh, uh, trying to make sure that we're recruiting uh, at, at a rate that will attract the best and brightest to us. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I love that you were able to put that in context with your specific situation. I remember that kind of takes me back to my very first role in higher ed HR. I was at a really small private liberal arts institution. And in our HR department, we relied heavily upon QPHR's data because data tells a story, right? And um, while I was there, I remember learning like, oh yeah, the HR department is the one with the biggest budget. We've got the salaries, we've got the benefits that we have to pay out um, of everyone across the campus. That's something that you're always gonna have to take into account when you're making financial decisions. Um, so I really appreciate that you were able to add that into the conversation because it's super important to acknowledge. Uh, so thank you. Um, so what? how do you think that the use of data in higher ed HR specifically in higher ed HR, I'm sorry, will evolve over the next five to 10 years? Well, I think you've seen it evolving and it continues to evolve. I think historically, many of us, uh, you know, we're in what we sometimes refer to as the feelings business. This is how employees feel. Uh, this is what mm -hmm. we think we want. Uh, you know, it, it, it relied heavily on the subjective element and I'm not discounting that as part of what we should be advocating for in terms of our employees. After all, that's the human part of human resources. But on the other hand, when you uh, uh, historically want to be seen as somebody who has business acumen, one's gotta be able to talk in terms of data. So I'm seeing, what I'm seeing is a, is a gradual or maybe even a more rapid shift uh, towards the realization of people in our profession, the need to be able to see, be able to be not only to pull data but to interpret that data. So a lot of times we have access to lots of data. We have HRIS systems, we have survey data, you know, we have a wealth of data available to us. Uh, the key for it is to be able to present that in a way that helps people make decisions. You know, it's one thing to say, my payroll budget is X. It's another thing to say, I've analyzed or I've been able to pull data to determine that our salaries are properly uh, benchmarked uh, to the market mm -hmm. and our structures mm -hmm. are supportive of that. So I, I'm seeing more of a realization that uh, as uh, HR professionals, we have to be able to play in the field of not only uh, data accumulation, which we're very good at, 
but data analysis and, and, and data uh, presentation uh, to a wide variety of audiences. For example, if you're presenting to your board of trustees as a CHRO, you can imagine that most of them probably do not understand the intricacies of your institution. At the same time, if you're new to the profession, you also have to be able to uh, make a case to your boss about why you think we should take one approach or the other. The best way to do that is to use data um, uh, and then be able to explain how that data applies to the case you're trying to make. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think one of the things a lot of times in HR that we talk about or kind of that we may grumble a little bit about is not having a seat at the table. And what I found, you know, over my time, not just in higher ed HR, but in HR in general, is the, the quickest way to get a seat at the table is to know, um, know the data and bring kind of that piece of it to the puzzle. Um, so you're not just talking about feelings and kind of the soft skills, but you're also talking about, um, you know, the hard numbers, the things that the finance people and the leadership really resonates with. Um, so I think that's, I think that's really accurate. Um, and that is a great segue to the next question that we want to ask, which is, so we know how important data is. We know um, what an asset it can be when we're having these conversations. What do you think some of the ways are that early career folks or people new to the HR profession can really get comfortable with using data and then using that to even further drive um, business decisions and, you know, make cases for things? Yeah, well, I think actually many of us, uh, use data all the time in our lives, right? We, you know, whether we're looking at to see how much money we have in our bank account to decide whether or not we could afford something or using subjective data such as a Yelp review to determine which restaurant we go to. So we're actually more data uh, uh, useful than we think. But I think in, in, in the business world, uh, the easiest way, or I should say the higher education space, because where we're at, is to first of all realize that it is a key component or a key competency of your success in the field. And if, you're, if your desire is to advance in your profession, uh, to be seen as a credible advocate in your profession, uh, it, it becomes one of those necessities. It's not a nice to have, it's an absolute. To your point, Tammy, about this proverbial seat at the table, you know, we argued this point for years in our profession. We complained about it constantly. And I've heard many people say, well, in order to get a seat at the table, one has to have to bring something to the table that has value. Uh, if you invite people to dinner at your home, you want people to come with a dish that you're going to enjoy. So when we get the opportunity to be able to build a case, to be able to add something to the discussion, uh, the ability to bring good, hard statistical data uh, is going to be critical. So I think for many, it has become a key competency, right? It's not it's not a nice to have, it's a must have. And I think what I try to get people to understand is when they come into the profession, I ask them when they come talk to me about an issue. So for example, right now I'm looking at faculty pay and I have a really good compensation person. And um, what I've asked that person to do is uh, help me understand how we could better set up our faculty pay. And the way I've asked that person to do is go out and do some research for me. Don't just come and say, hey, here's kind of what I'm thinking. Back that up with something. On the other hand, the other thing I'm looking at right now is the cost of my benefits. So I've asked my benefits person to be able to go out and look at not just what people are offering, 
but I'm looking for data to support what national trends are in terms of cost share. In other words, how much should the institution pay versus how much should the employee pay? So a good supervisor, first of all, is encouraging their employees to use data to help convince me or, or, or their supervisor as to what the path should be. On the other hand, uh, people new to the profession at the associate level also need to be able to um, think about that without being prompted. And again, as a competency in the HR profession, the ability to use and translate data. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. I'm wondering if you have a have a quick opinion on, you know, we've seen a lot of growth in certain sectors and even in across higher ed and, and across other industries as well. Like here at Williams, for example, one of the things that's a really big um, topic is information security. Um, I'm wondering if you if you think that we'll see, you know, HRIS and people that specialize in HR data, if you think that's a growing segment of of our field. Yeah, I think yeah. It, it, if I had an opinion, I probably have an opinion on everything. That's scary in and of itself. But I <laughs> I'm in the process of rolling out a brand new ERP system, and you know, one of the things you have to understand is HR is the keeper of some of the most sensitive information as it relates to employees, whether it's payroll data, health data, uh, workers' compensation data, personally identifiable information, social security numbers. Uh, you know. You talk about a data breach that is waiting to happen. And it has, I've noticed even with our employees, we get a lot of questions uh, about how are you protecting my information? How do I know that if I give you this is going to be secure? Uh, this is, I think uh, people are more and more aware of it than ever. So as we have begun the process of implementing or upgrading to a brand new ERP system, we're almost complete. Uh, one of the things that was foremost in our minds is how are we going to ensure the protection of personally identifiable information, and more importantly, who's going to have access to what. So I think in the past, you know, you might have been able to see everything. I'll use an old military phrase, do you have a need to know? So as we begin to look at who can see what data, controls around that data, who has access to that data, who can read or write data, in other words, who could see it, who could change it. Those things all have to be factored in. So I think uh, one of the uh, probably areas that I think is going to explode in HR, not just the HRIS uh, portion of it, but in the IT world in general, this is a component of the IT world as well. How do we maintain information security? How do we ensure we're protecting people's data? Uh, they've entrusted it to us. I think we have uh, obviously a legal, but also an ethical obligation to make sure we're taking protective action, not just on our computers, by the way, but even, for example, things that get left on our desk. How do we ensure that people are not getting hold of information that shouldn't be gotten a hold of? So I think it's a, a, an untapped area um, and one that we haven't quite figured out completely yet. Who owns it? Is it IT? Is it HR? I think um, I, I rather instead of trying to figure out who owns it, I've just taken a more proactive, proactive approach to say, look, uh, someone's got to step up. Somebody's got to realize this is people's personal lives we're dealing with. And I think it's fallen more to HR over time. But obviously, we partner a lot with IT uh, to secure that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So for all of our early career people listening to this podcast, I think Dave just gave you your next uh, development opportunity <laughs> or next development Absolutely. idea. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it's an interesting area that I've yet to see someone say, 
go to this person that they're the expert. In other words, it's still an untapped area. I think a lot of people are dabbling in it, but I would uh, definitely mm -hmm. see it as something going forward is going to be extremely important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tyler, do you want to take us out with our last fun question for Dave? <laughs> yes. So, Dave, uh, as our second host <laughs> of our <laughs> of our podcast here, um, we do like to ask all of our guests here, will you share with us a fun fact about yourself, a hobby or a personal interest, but it's something non-HR related so that our audience all right. can get to know you a little bit better like we do? Well, probably, and I think you guys know this, but I'll go ahead and share it. Uh, I am a licensed steam train engineer. Uh, and actually, uh, I knew you were going with that one, Tammy. <laughs> I knew you'd go with that. I do drive a steam train on the weekend. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's a fun fact about me. That is a really great fun fact, though. But I'm glad that you went with that one. It's very Dave esque. <laughs> well, Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, for all of our listeners, please stay tuned for our next episode coming at you next month. We appreciate your support. Everyone have a good one.